Welcome back to this first episode of season two of the Vinyl Detroit podcast. Uh, my name is Brian, and technically this will be episode 15 of the podcast as I'm keeping the episodes in sequential order from the beginning. I'm really, really excited to bring you today's guests. Uh, this has been in the works for quite some time. Uh, I think we started working on it. It was probably in early March, middle March of 2022. Uh, we had quite a few setbacks in terms of trying to get things scheduled. And I finally uh, I finally pinned them down, uh, let's just say, on the eve of the Oakland Weekender, uh, which took place in the Bay Area uh, earlier this year during the summer. And um, they were they were an integral part of that 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 um, show that festival and um, really really happy to, to be able to sit down and speak with the entire band um, for those of you who maybe aren't sure of who I'm speaking of um, today's guest was or is um, the umbrellas the Bay Area act uh, they've been around since 2019 prior to that um, some of them did some solo work and um, came together with this pop project and I have to say that this debut album, which we speak about quite a bit during this episode, um, is something that I would consider a, a, a pop classic album. I mean, really, it's it's uh, worth picking up. Buy it on vinyl. Support support the uh, the band, and um, you won't be disappointed. I can guarantee that. So again, uh, I spoke with um, during this interview uh, Matt, Keith, Morgan, and Nick, uh, the entire uh, Umbrellas lineup. And um, we've talked about a whole host of things, but I'd rather let it be in their words. So without uh, any more delays, let's go ahead and listen to my discussion with the Umbrellas.
Uh, we just heard the lead track from the Umbrella's debut album. It is uh, appropriately entitled Lonely. Uh, I love it. I was just sharing with the band offline that uh, I've been jamming to this song for a while now. Um, I've been, I was on vacation earlier this week and it was on like constant rotation. So, um, it's just a fantastic track. It really gets me pumped up to talk to the band. And so I wanted to welcome today to the Vinyl Detroit podcast, the Umbrellas. Hey. hey! There Hi. they are. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. So we uh, need t- some like kazoos. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are in San Francisco, and I am in Detroit. Obviously, hence the title of the podcast. And uh, today we have Matt, Keith, Morgan, and Nick. Um, they are all sharing a common user here. So if I bumble and fumble my way through who's speaking, I apologize in advance. So. Again, guys, thanks for joining me today. This has been uh, something that I know we've been, uh, I personally have been working on with you guys for a while and just due to schedules, we've had a tough time kind of lining it up, but uh, I'm super excited to talk to you. I really can't wait to talk about the album, talk about you guys. Uh, This is going to be, I think, one of the fun ones. So thank you again for joining me. Yeah, there we go. Of course. Uh, Thanks so, for having us. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm so happy. And and you know, I was I was I do quite a bit of research on these, and I really only found like two primary kind of sources for you guys. So you're a little bit of a mystery. So hopefully we can peel that onion back a little bit today and uh, get <laughs> to know get to know the umbrellas a little bit better. Uh, one thing I did find though when I was researching was really the origins of of really kind of how the band got started. And so I really didn't feel like I had to ask you about that. But one thing I did find when I was researching was that uh, some of you have been involved in have been involved in other bands and other projects. And the way I understood it and some of the things I checked out, uh, a lot of it is vastly different than what you're doing here. And what you're doing here is like right in my wheelhouse. And and, and so, you know, I was kind of wondering a little bit about kind of how this project came about. Uh, I think I had I had read or noticed that there was this desire to make pop songs. And uh, that was similar to what Glenn Donaldson of the Reds, Pinks and Purples told me when we spoke. And I guess I really wanted to kind of kick it off by finding out where that came from, where that desire to do something different than what you were doing before under this project. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, why we started why we started pop popping. Yes, I love pop. <laughs> And popping. I think, <laughs> I think it was just such a, a different style than than what uh, we've done previously, because um, our mm-hmm. I feel like we've been in just like really noisy like punk, just crazy bands and like I don't know. Yeah, just wanted we, to try we all something. have kind of a something. background in, in I guess punk and have yeah. like punk music most of our life and I mean yeah. noise music and things like that. I. Um, I sp- I wasted my 20s in noise rock bands. <laughs> it was no waste. <laughs> yeah, it was no, an it investment. Was cool, but I, I call it an investment. I, I always, uh, I mean, I don't know. For myself, I've, I've always loved pop music. And like as a teenager, I wanted to write pop songs, but I didn't really like have the courage to. Yeah. And then I got really mm-hmm. into noise because I wanted to be cool. and that's what all the that's all the cool kids you know they're into noise and they have their stupid like modular synthesizers (laughs) and um you know it's like let's make a pop let's make pop you know kids people are mean and noise pop people are nicer yeah yeah i think i like like no jerks i'm a no jerk guy so Mm -hmm. i like nice yeah cool yeah we do too Um, so the name uh, the umbrellas i mean i think it's the coolest name and and 
you know, I, I just, I think it's, it's just perfect for what you guys do. How did you guys kind of arrive at that? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I just really, unfortunately, this, the story behind it isn't very like <laughs> wild at all. Like we were just like sitting in like Nick and I's old apartment and like, sitting in the living room and like pointing at things and i think like there's the cantaloupe on the counter so i was like the, the cantaloupes and then like you know matt like pointed at something and it was like the the house lamps <laughs> and, and then like and then like somebody pointed at a umbrella and i think that we were just like the umbrellas and i remember we just like compiled them into a list and kind of narrowed it down from there we were really like leaning towards the now now and laters mm, so there <laughs> were some point, of those there <laughs> yeah um but then we were like no that sounds so like mod <laughs> like you know so yeah and i think another one of our friends was like what are you guys like gonna be the raincoats so the, the anoraks and then oh, we we're like boy. the umbrellas <laughs> you know <laughs> choosing so, a, a band name is like the worst thing about being in a band yeah. 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 It, it was hard, but I think we settled on it. Like, it's, I feel like it took us like a week. It, like, yeah, we settled on it pretty quickly. And I'm glad we didn't go with the noun laters. <laughs> I think, I think we wanted it to be an inanimate object for some reason. We did. Titled with the. Yeah. 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 Um, well, there's yeah. no the bands anymore today. Yeah. 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 We're the first. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, now all the bands that I've like that I've joined after this have all the in front of them. You brought the the with them with you. I mean, yeah, revival. Yeah, the revival. You're right though about about picking a band name. I mean, it, obviously, it's something that you know you it, like you said. You guys spend a whole week picking it, which in my mind doesn't sound like a whole lot of time. Um, but it's something that no matter, you know, how long this project goes and what, what output it has, I mean, it's, it's going to be stuck with that name. So, um, kind of better get it right, I guess. <laughs> Start a brand new band and like, and just come up with everything like brand new. Right. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of time you're just like joining someone else's band that already has a name or someone else's project and you're just like, all right, that's the name. I don't really have to think about it. But it's like starting everything from scratch. It's like, yeah, I think we even yeah. we wanted to call. We we're like, what about the Rembrandts? But then we we're like, wait, no, that's the band that made the Friends, the Friends theme song. Better theme song than the show. I mean, better, oh, yeah, better, better band yeah. than the Umbrellas. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I know that I'm never going to get anyone from Friends on here, so. I, you know, I can't stand that show. And, and I'm, the yeah, funny yeah. thing is, is I'm in that age group when that was, I was probably, I'm probably similar age to them now. I don't even know how old they are, but that show mm. just, it just like grinds on my soul. I don't know what it is, but I kind of wondered how like, yeah, all these, all these like 20 somethings who don't appear to have jobs. I mean, maybe that one guy did, but they live in this like huge apartment in Manhattan. It just, the whole it's thing like just irritated Seinfeld. me. Yeah, ex I, yeah, so so we've talked about this here in our house because my, my kids are huge Seinfeld fans, and we've said kind of like you know during that time when like Seinfeld was on and Friends and, and Home Improvement, you're kind of like you kind of identify with one of the shows, but not more than one of those shows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Totally, yeah. I don't know if it's true with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. It, it we're is a Seinfeld fans, yeah. for sure. We're a this is a we're, Seinfeld We're Seinfeld fans. Have you thought about dressing up as them for Halloween? I would love that. <laughs> yeah, someone... Maybe this will be the year. Who was it that, like, that, like took uh, the Seinfeld, like, photo with all four of them and then put the umbrellas like yeah. oh, i love that. it replaced seinfeld with the umbrellas like in the yellow yeah. oval you know so who was kramer yeah. and then who was george oh, yeah, this i was george. Nick I used, is george i used to look exactly like george but then i dropped about you look spitting pounds. image yeah. <laughs> i think there's a debate on if me or matt was kramer or Jerry. i think matt is definitely jerry yeah, no question jerry. i'm kramer? kramer for sure <laughs> Someone has hey, to be Kramer. Yeah, Kramer's sick though. Except like Kramer's the know, best character. What that that actor is not that sick, but that character. I get the best character just because I'm a Elaine. woman. Yeah, you're Elaine. It's all about baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could be anybody you want, but yeah, I think in, in that group, the, you're the Elaine. So I'm definitely Elaine. Oh, I love Elaine. I'm also cool. do I. She's, cool. She's the best. So Elaine. you know that we took a little Seinfeld. Um, non sequitur there but um how i guess <laughs> um you know i guess let's talk a little bit about the label so you know obviously you're you guys are from that san francisco area uh so you know ending up working with mike and slumberland probably wasn't a huge stretch but how did you guys really get connected how did he get interested in putting your records out um i mean well our first show we played was what at the silver sprocket and uh, on, hate and on hate street and um the uh owner or i don't know if he's the owner but he runs the uh, hit gallery a guy named peter um was there and he, a week later he asked us to play at the hit gallery and then from the hit gallery i feel like we met a bunch of people and mm -hmm. a bunch of people that were associated with slumberland and um peter of april magazine people, yeah peter of april just, magazine mm. yeah just Claire. Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. Well, I yeah. think you're in the right yeah. place. You know, I mean, I really yeah. based mm -hmm. on the based on the music and what you do. I mean, I don't think you could be with a more nurturing and a more, I guess, similar community. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. A really supportive community. Absolutely. I mean, I think that like um, Phil from Neutrals and then Tony Molina, who are who were both, you know, a, a Phil from Terry Maltz too. Um, they're both, both those bands are on Slumberland and they were really putting in a good word with Mike about us because they're our good buddies and they liked our band. So Andy I, too, I think. Yeah, Andy, mm -hmm. from, Andy from Chime, Chime School. School. And Jessica Beard. Uh-huh. Yeah, a lot of people were kind of whispering, whispering, whispering sweet nothings yeah. to Mike yeah. about yeah. us. And <laughs> I remember when I gave him a tape at like, probably like our fourth show with reds pinks and purples and tony yeah. molina um at the ivy room and i went up to mike and gave him a tape and i was really drunk and i was like here's yeah. a free tape i remember <laughs> you being bad. really really nervous and yeah. I was like, yeah. i'm gonna go do it i'm gonna, I'm gonna I, give I just mike remember being so intimidated by mike and like afraid of him and now i text him like dumb shit all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah he's great <laughs> Yeah, you know, back uh, again, I'm, I, you know what, I'll just say it. I'm 48 years old. And so I was around and, and, and really into all of this nonsense when I, when, when Slumberland was starting out. And, you know, to, to think that, you know, I, I personally could have been on the same label as like a Velocity Girl or something like those. I mean, to me, the classic indie pop 90s thing. 
I mean, that's really cool. And that's something to really be proud of, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It's, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. It's yeah. Surreal. It doesn't feel like it is real sometimes. Mm. Well, it's real. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> like I, I'm familiar with a bunch of Slumberland, like of their back catalog, but then I keep discovering these new gems just like going on their catalog. Like, well, I've never listened to this. It's like, oh, this is crazy. Yeah. It's well, like endless. Well, that catalog <laughs> is endless. That's the best word for it. I mean, if, if you're, you know, if you're a collector and you're like, I'm going to collect Slumberland, I would say good luck to you because that is yeah. that's like saying i'm going to collect every 4ad release i mean you're you're halfway crazy to try that because i tried that at one point that's how i know <laughs> um you know kind of speaking of that that kind of retro indie sound and when i refer to retro i'm kind of thinking like you know early to mid 90s maybe maybe a little bit of the late 90s um obviously there was always elements of like the 60s throughout that was very much influential during that scene I'm, I'm not going to ask how old you guys are, but I'm going to assume that you were either very young or not around when a lot of that music was coming out. <laughs> what is it about that scene that, that because at least for me, I mean, I, I just hear echoes of it throughout the entire album and throughout your work. What is it about that maybe mid-90s scene and sound that appeals to you guys or that, that maybe has some influence on you? It feels timeless, Yeah. You know? It's. I think it appeals to uh, every generation, and it, it references past generations too, or past decades rather. And yeah, I think it just it appeals to everyone in some way or another. It's yeah, like I, a, yeah. It's like a mixture of like everything I like. Because you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I I love yeah. like sixties pop music a lot. But, you know, I don't know, but then I you know I love punk and stuff too, and it's like. As a DIY kind of yeah. ethos still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you also get some of the influences of like, you know, late 80s, like house music and stuff and some of that like 90s and 90s music too. And it's, it's, it's cool. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, there was, there was just, there was so much good. And I, and I feel like it's like that now too. You just have to maybe look a little harder. Um, mm-hmm. But because, I mean, obviously with, the, we won't get, you know, philosophical here, but with labels not really being traditional labels like they were back then i mean there was no internet and just all the dumb stuff that was like that then you i mean you you kind of relied on okay so if they put out you know a rocket ship well then you know i'm likely to like the next release and there was all that kind of stuff now it's like i mean i could start a label today here and do everything digitally and really release a bunch of really cool stuff but like people have to find me it was just it's just different now and I felt like, you know, if you were on Slumberland or Spinard or, you know, any of the any of the labels back, March was another really good one. You know, you you knew that what they were putting out was was likely going to be something that you would like. So it was just different back then. It's, I think it's harder now. At least I think so. Yeah, I always kind of like I feel like every a lot of my friends who were into that stuff, like really relied on like newsletters and yep. stuff like that. And, you know, it's like a shame that like that doesn't really happen anymore Um, because there's some sort of like there's something romantic about it. Maybe that's not the right word. Like there's just something really sweet about like waiting for a newsletter every week and then like checking on it because, you know, that like everything they recommend is something you'll probably like. Um, without that, it is kind of hard, you know. It's it's a lot more personable too. Mm-hmm. Getting, yeah. like, you, know, you could tell someone took time to 
type it out instead of just you know sending a text message or something well like i that. saw oh i'm sorry to interrupt you but yeah i i oh, saw no, i saw that um and, and i have it on order now i couldn't seem to figure out their website real well but that the, that you guys were featured in chick factor and mm-hmm. i was like whoa chick factor i mean you know unfortunately just i don't know being in michigan or i don't know having a family or something but they kind of fell off they kind of fell off my my radar a bit um, but I remember, oh gosh, here we go, old guy talking again. But I remember we were at the uh, Washington, D.C. Twee Fest, and this is like 1996. Um, but I remember, oh gosh, here we go, old guy talking again. But I remember we were at the uh, Washington, D.C. Twee Fest, and this is like 1996. And we were playing there and everything else. And I remember that the, I think it's I can't remember the two ladies, but they were awesome. But I remember them being there and they were kind of like really cool then. Um, and, you know, kind of goes back to your point of the 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 place that that fanzines and, and kind of that newsletter and things like that had back then. I mean, they were they were like the newspaper for music. You know, people were able to get editorial about it. Um, some of them did reviews, but they had their own slants because they didn't really care. They were they were producing it themselves. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a different yeah. era, and it's it's too bad some of that's gone. Yeah, I mean that's those two women were Pam Berry and Gail O'Hara, and Gail, they I might yes. be saying that wrong. O'Hara O'Hara, sorry, Gail, if you're listening, <laughs> but um, yeah, they were like super super involved, and um, yeah, Pam even played and like some of the best bands ever heck yeah, heck yeah. black, black tambourine, tambourine man. and heck glow yeah. worm bill mondo oh like it's like endless yeah her catalog is amazing it's so like up there with like amelia fletcher just like like it seems like they just have, were in hundreds of bands <laughs> I know. Um, yeah they're like to definitely like pioneers and like kind of um i don't know archiving the scene which is yeah. so important there's no doubt so it's funny you mentioned pam and i'm going to mention one funny thing about pam and then we're going to listen well it's not funny about pam it's just ironic i guess but (laughs) um when we when we played that that show in washington pam was living in washington and i remember we were you know we were young we were probably like you guys or whatever and you know we drove from detroit to to washington dc to play the show and I remember I asked Mario Swao, who's, you know, kind of like the one of the one half of shoestrings. And I was playing with them and I was like, hey, where are we staying, by the way? Like, I hadn't really thought about it, you know. And he's like, we're going to stay at Pam Barry's house. I'm like, wait, come again? Oh, I'm nice. like, Pam <laughs> Barry of Black Tambourine? He's like, yeah. He's like, a bunch of people are just going to stay there. And so, I mean, there was like, I think Holiday was there. Um, Le Grand Magistery matt jacobson was there i mean there was a lot of like the early kind of like scene that that was there those couple days and unfortunately that show got snowed out like more snow than i've ever seen in my entire life and i'm from michigan um but it was cool to kind of make those connections with those folks so anyway story about the old days so we're going to go ahead and give another track a listen uh i picked some of my favorites i mean i probably could have put I don't know, eight songs on here that I felt people would listen to and connect with. So uh, I I spent a lot of time on these. So we're going to hear the next track, which is Pictures.
debut album on slumberland just fantastic 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 album i think i posted on um, instagram yesterday uh, i'm not sure when this is going to air but i posted it yesterday when i was tooling around town that i consider it frankly a modern classic and um you know okay. yeah there's no doubt i mean it's it's solid from start to finish i i don't find that i i want to skip any track i don't check my watch as the movie reviewers would say uh, it's just really, really, really good, and so I, I'm just happy to have you guys here again. Uh, so Thank I wanted to, oh, absolutely, I wanted to talk to you guys about uh, the term twee because you know back in like the, uh, you know the the Sarah days, and then even in that mid '90s, I mean, if you were labeled that, it was it was pretty derogatory. I mean, it was similar to like someone had mentioned anorak earlier. It was just kind of a a, a derogatory term, but yet as time has gone on, I think it's really had the bands and the music has had the staying power that I don't know that many would have expected at that time. And I keep reading about this like twee revolution. And so it just kind of, I got to take a step back and go, wait, what are we talking about? Are we talking about twee here? Um, I mean, I, we, I used to kind of feel like embarrassed by the term, but now, I mean, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. I mean, it's just really good music, really good pop music, really well done in this day. It's really well produced. And, and I just, I, it just bugs me. So I guess I want to ask you guys, I mean, from where you stand, I mean, is there a twee revolution going on? Um, I don't know. Maybe in the Bay Area and like California and I don't know. I, I kind of don't like tw- the word revolution. Twee. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like the word twee. <laughs> because yeah. I associate it with my age. I associate it with like mid 2000s music. Like Okay. Urban Outfitter, yeah, like Urban Outfitter, like Zoe Deschanel music, and when people call me Twee, it makes me like, like I'm just, we're just writing songs about emotions. Yeah, like I don't know, like Bob Dylan is he Twee? Like I think what I've seen from the Twee Revolution, and we're talking like there is a um, 
there was a an article that like Amelia Fletcher actually spoke on with that's commenting on like this twee revolution that's being seen on like TikTok and stuff. And I I don't think it's as much like of what we like as it is like um Wes Anderson dress up and like just like the aesthetic Zoe Deschanel no yeah Zoe Deschanel like she and him moldy peaches moldy peaches and you know all that stuff is fine I just don't think it's like what exactly we should be compared to I think that sometimes people do that because like there's like a lack of like just sharing similar lack of context I think for a lot of indie music I mean you know yeah such a wide spectrum of of indie music and it means a lot of different things yeah exactly probably it's hard hard to say yeah probably an easier way for people to just kind of classify things i mean just kind of put them together I, i don't know you know i felt the same way again because of my age when when shoegaze was was kind of like the scene and mm-hmm. i remember i kept reading that like the, the term shoegaze obviously we i mean we, we can kind of understand why that would be but but the bands i mean the reason why i always kind of understood that to be a term that was somewhat derogatory back it was more of a british press thing but it was derogatory because they thought the british press thought that these bands shouldn't like each other and they shouldn't be friends and they should be rivals but yet when you ask most of them i mean the 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 big players they were all friends and they were like i don't know why people think we should fight and we should have like these like feuds we just don't (laughs) so it's it's i guess it's kind of similar to that i mean it's a label and it doesn't necessarily fit when you really kind of peel back the onion a bit and i just kind of wanted to get your take on it because you know, there, there's something going on out there in San Francisco right now. I don't know if it's in the water or whatever, but like, you know, the Reds, Pinks, and Purples, you guys, and then there's a bunch of others that we could get into. I mean, a lot of you guys are all playing this weekend, which I actually looked into a plane ticket to San Francisco to, to come to the show. I would ha- I would have to um, probably take out a, uh, a home equity loan to get out there right now, um, but it sure would have been a great show. I mean, that last day, I think it's the last day with you guys and mm-hmm. Glenn playing. I mean, I would almost give a kidney to go see that i've i've asked him a couple times every time he's like going to be announcing like a couple shows i would say detroit question mark and the answer is obviously always no but i told him if he ever comes through i have i have plenty of space here for him and of course you guys if you ever happen to make it to detroit which is probably unlikely but you never know I would I love that. Would love yeah, to, we were, we yeah. There, uh, yeah. Too. We got. Yeah, we, we we played in Hamtramck. Ham was that? Yeah, we played in Hamtramck. When was like that? December. Yeah. December, but it was with the band um, that was definitely not our sound at all. How bad? So it was, maybe it like went under your radar because like. Yeah. These shows would sell out like really quickly. Yeah. Because the band we are touring with is like really big on tiktok <laughs> and they're like, like kind of like emo yeah yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're kind of like you know this like weird riot girl emo thing mm-hmm. which is it's really cool they're great yeah. people they're our friends sure. but it's yeah, just they're, like very yeah wow. it was very different weird tour mm-hmm. it was <laughs> a strange tour <laughs> okay but it was but really we want to come back we want to come back for sure and we are going to be playing with glenn um in august on like a little tour where we go up to the pacific northwest and oh. back down 
and you know i mean i think we could make it happen again we yeah. love like my partner plays in that band and like we're we're so connected with reds pinks and purples so so we'll you guys in, yeah we'll be in you, detroit again yeah, we'll, yeah yeah get glenn out there but don't come in december though December like <laughs> yeah. it's like brutal so, here in December. It was so cold. It was yeah. cold. Actually, it was really might have been the yeah, it was colder than. I mean, it was weird because like it hadn't been cold like all of tour, and then we got to Michigan, and I just remember being like, "Oh my god, it's it, this is really freezing. cold." And Chicago wasn't even that cold. I expected yeah. Chicago to be freezing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Chicago the big end. Well, that's because there was a tornado. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, geez. I can't believe I missed you guys. Oh, well, I'll get you next time for sure. Um, So, you know, I kind of talked a little bit about this uh, early on, just the the quality of the record. I mean, from start to finish, there's just there's just not a I mean, there's just not a clunker in there. I mean, it's just it's great. And I think like listening to it over and over again, like I have particularly in the last week, there's just a, a really wide breadth of songwriting and performance there that. I don't know it kind of shows up on most records i mean there's there's an acoustic track i mean there's like great vocal i mean it's just it's so good and i guess i kind of wanted to know like where does this songwriting breath come from i mean and maybe it's partly the history with you guys but like you know you got some just really what i would consider modern classics again on the pop side and then there's like a track in there that's you know acoustic based i mean where does that kind of come from um well it can come from a lot of different spaces like i think that all songs are just written in different moods and i remember when matt came to us with it's true with like the chorus and then we're like we should switch off on singing you know and i think that we always kind of say like we should have a this kind of song yeah like that's something that we love i feel like we all like get really excited like we're like we should have like a really fast we should have like a swing beat song yeah maybe on the next record we should have a song <laughs> that starts with like just vocals and bass like uh-huh. i don't know i think we all just like really love music like mm-hmm. this is a band of music nerds and record nerds mm-hmm. and like i don't know like we listen to a bunch of different stuff and it comes through on our records maybe i don't know yeah it's almost like like nothing's I mean, within reason, nothing's off, off the table. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you'll hear something and go, wow, I really like that. And, and, and it'll make its way in. And then you'll like something else and it'll make its way in. And there's nothing where you're saying, you know what, that's not us. I, I mean, obviously within, within reason, but um, I, and I think maybe that does come from just maybe some of the previous projects that were vastly different than this where hey it's okay if we work in different things we can do different we're doing a different thing right now than we had done previously i think it's great so yeah i think it's just like the the influence of the day you know yeah no that's <laughs> great yeah soup of the day i like that i just thought of the soup nazi i'm sorry when you said the soup we say yes class. soup for you <laughs> for everyone my wife was uh, making a recipe up there with my daughter yesterday and she was reading off the ingredients i said you sound like the soup nazi making mulligatawny soup <laughs> <laughs> um Classic. so I, I get i was i was reading uh you know the articles and and i think there was a there was a brooklyn vegan article and there was uh something a san francisco paper i don't remember but someone had mentioned that you know sarah records had a big influence on your process and I hear a little bit of early heavenly someone to mention Amelia earlier. 
Um, in the in the article or the the question and answer, um, somebody mentioned I think it might have been Nick um, the, the the field mice and kind of the influence of Bobby and his songwriting and, and what they had done. Um, in there, I think you had said that you know Bobby was one of the most important songwriters in the last thirty years, and it's funny you say that because I tell people that all the time that you know if you if you really sit down and you have the patience to listen to his music and listen to his lyrics and listen to how he puts it all together i mean i I don't there aren't many out there that are doing anything better than that frankly and um, i don't know if you've heard his new album on the side note it is fantastic i think it's like one of his best works he's ever done which i've told him that um, because i really really do love it um so you know i see I see the the design aesthetic on the on the album jacket. Frankly, that has a little bit of a Sarah look to me. I'm a huge Sarah collector, um, and fan, of course. Fan first, collector second. What is it about Sarah that really means kind of a lot to the band or the band sound? I don't know. I think they're they're just they're one of the most personable labels that I think have ever ex- existed. Uh, yeah there's (laughs) there's mystique surrounding them there's you can tell that they you know like music just as much as the fans of sarah record that you know was it matt matt and claire that that started you know um yeah there's you know there's the diy ethos of it the fact that you know that they wrote letters to everyone that purchased something and that yeah it's just completely inspiring and uh yeah i feel i think it it, sorry go ahead no no no, please please go ahead oh no (laughs) i feel like you know i i talked to claire and that was another one where like she just said yes and i was like holy crap like how do i talk to Claire from Sarah when I I mean I grew up and I have I mean I have every Sarah release on vinyl I've got all the fanzines I've just always been all in on it and one thing that I kind of took away from that conversation and and she wouldn't say it this way but I guess I would as a dirty American but um, I feel like like they just they didn't care so they were just going to do what they were going to do and they were going to put out the records they loved and they were going to support the causes and and that that they cared about and the bands all well, not all, but for the most part, kind of followed that same belief. And I think that's why it was all so good. It, there was nothing in there that was like, um, you know, they were being, their arm was being twisted to do anything. And, and I think that personally, if someone asked me, that's what it was. And, and maybe it's that DIY concept that kind of permeates what you guys are doing as well. Um, because I'm looking at the album cover right now. And obviously we talked about, I got the new single today and they they could definitely from an aesthetic standpoint look like a Sarah release no doubt um but they're their own I mean I think they're I think they're like a mo- like I keep saying modern classic it sounds ridiculous but I truly feel like it is and, and to be associated with Sarah in a good way I think is a is a compliment I think you guys have done that yeah I think that we like worry we you know we, we didn't want to come off as like too like on the nose I guess with the Sarah influences but then at the same time like we don't care like it's like it doesn't it doesn't uh take much judgment to realize that we love Sarah records and everything that they did for music and for us individually like as musicians 
like listening to Sarah, like that whole catalog made me realize that like, you don't have to be incredibly good. Like right. you can start, you can start and have fun and like music should be fun and it can be very emotional and who cares if people judge you for it? Um, you know, art for art's sake. Yeah. Art yeah. for art's sake. Yeah. And, and so much of it was, I mean, fairly simple. I mean, I, I, obviously you guys are musicians, so you, you hear it, I'm sure too, but you know, one of my favorites was always brighter. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, I think when they, when, when they created that, that, uh, documentary, uh, I think it was called my secret world, which I frankly is think is the coolest thing ever. But when they were talking with Karis from Brighter, he was just, I mean, he was basically saying that it's its all kind of like three chords. I mean, that's really all it is, but <laughs> nobody can do it the way Brighter did it, which I thought was really neat. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. For sure. So we're going to go ahead and give a, uh, another song a listen. And I think this has got, at least from my from my listening, there, this is a song that could have been a Sarah single probably back in 1994 or whenever. Um, We're going to go ahead and give Never Available a listen.
Okay, so we just heard Never Available uh, by the Umbrellas. This is That was from their uh, debut album on Slumberland again. And uh, we have the band here today. We've got Matt, Keith, Morgan, and Nick. Uh, it's a great conversation. I, I love talking with you guys. I think, uh, I think this has been pretty fun. Whew. Okay, yeah. so... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little out of breath here. Okay, here we go. So I read in my research um, that in, in recording this album, you guys all packed up your gear. And uh, I'm not super familiar with California geography, but it sounds like you went south to, I think it's San mm -hmm. Clemente to record the album. Um, yeah. What is it about that DIY mentality um, that maybe drove you to, to do something like that? I mean, I'm sure in the San Francisco area, you could have recorded there. Uh, that would have been much easier, uh, at least logistically. But um, what is it that, that kind of said, no, we're going to go down there, we're going to do it down there, and here's why? What, what is that? Um, well, I didn't want to record the record at first. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it. It's going to stress me out. Because I've recorded, Keith, Nick, and I were in a band together, and I recorded that record before The Umbrellas, and it was, like, stressful. Sure. <laughs> And then we were at like the knockout or something. And like, I was Nick's like, you should do it. It's like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then we just, just I don't know. We, I just decided to do it. And I think we collectively did too, because we have more control over it and it's more intimate. And uh, it sounded more like, sounded like fun. Sounded like fun too, just to go into like a house and record and for a week, for yeah. a week. And, I think we probably would have needed to do that too because I don't know we're all so busy. Usually we're all, we all jobs. And yeah, it's much cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> it's going so to much cheaper. So looking back on that decision, I mean, was it worth it? Was it what you thought Absolutely. it would be? Okay, good. Uh, it wasn't what I thought it would be, but it was definitely worth it. <laughs> was it harder than you thought? easier absolutely different. yeah i'm sure <laughs> much harder <laughs> but you learn from every experience you know and you grow <laughs> it, it's a really well um here we go we're gonna get kind of geeky here but i mean it's a really well engineered album i mean you've got everything is just really well balanced mixed really well i've got a pretty good sound system here and i was listening to it when i was getting ready and um i mean it is it's really well done i mean it, and I don't know if you worked with any sort of engineer. You guys just kind of set the microphones up and did it. But um, it's really well done, at least in my opinion. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. A round I, of uh, applause for Matt. I almost, Go, Matt. Lost, I almost lost my mind yeah. like, mixing that record. Because it also... You did. You did. I, I did lose my mind while I was mixing that record. But it was also because I was mixing it during the pandemic. Oh. Like the first like four months of the pandemic, I was just I didn't have a job anymore. I was just sitting in my room mixing the umbrellas back. Too much oh, time. Listening to your voice over and over And being again. like, oh, I wish I could re-record this because this guitar is a little too bright. Too bad. <laughs> did you did you actually re-record anything or no? Uh, there was a couple things. vocals. We re-recorded Morgan's vocals. Mm -hmm. I hated the mic that we recorded them on in Southern California. And I finally was like, we need to record my vocals. I need to redo them. So we did that. And I added like some keyboard parts, I think, in my room. And we added some tambourine. I think I re-recorded like an acoustic guitar on one song. Mm -hmm. But other than that, though, and I think I might have re-recorded the electric guitars on Happy. And you, and you redid all my bass parts. No. That's <laughs> <not> <laughs> just Wait, did you just, did you just say you re-recorded half of the guitar parts? No, no. Oh. I just re-recorded oh. the guitar parts on Happy. 
Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. I think they were a little too shrill and I was like, ah, I should use a different pickup or something. Mm-hmm. And that was after like 18 hours of mixing. <laughs> I've had it. I, I probably spent hundreds of hours mixing God, that record. I'd, yeah. I'd mix it like every, every day. And then I'd go for these long walks where I'd listen to the mixes oh. on like my shittiest headphones just to see how they translated. Oh boy. And it was just like, and I, there was one point in the pandemic where they shut down all the golf courses in San Francisco. And I just go lay on this golf course, and like listen to our mixes. It was, it was, it was, you know, it was a time. Yeah, Weird, yeah. I remember being real concerned. Message, <laughs> <laughs> are you okay? Are you okay? And, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Matt's on the eighth green again. <laughs> Somebody go get him. <laughs> he must be listening to uh, "Happy" for the four hundredth time. <laughs> that is true, though. If anybody, you know, if anybody listening here uh, has been involved in that process. There is there is something maddening about hearing something over and over again. Um, there's no doubt. Uh, when doing this podcast, obviously, I go back through and I, I edit it and I clean it up and I do the same thing. I listen to it in my car and then I listen to it on my headphones. And by the end of it, I'm like, you know what? F it. I don't really care about that part. I'm just putting it out. So it's a little different for me. It's not like I'm putting out physical media or anything. If I was putting out a record, I'd probably spend thousands of hours because um, I have that same that same trait. It's terrible. So I guess one good thing that that, that question kind of leads me to the next one. Uh, I was online and I was just trying to find just live performances from you guys. And I found one. It looked like it was maybe in front of a record store or something like that. It looked like it was out in the street somewhere. And what I noticed just as a musician myself was that um, you guys are really tight. And, and you know, you obviously bass and drums are really tight. Rhythm's good. Uh, vocals are just, you know, out of bounds in terms of their tightness. Um what is it about playing live? I mean, do you guys enjoy that? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Starting yeah. to like it more. I used to Was that Nick? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because I find that like most of the artists I've talked to either lo- they love one or the other. You know what I mean? Like they love recording or they love playing live. Very few love both. And, and so I was telling Dusty from Rocket Ship when we talked that he was on Rocket Ship was always on my bucket list. Like when I was. I don't know, in my early 20s, I'm like, I would love to see Rocket Ship, man. Like, they would be the best. And he was like, I hated playing live. And he goes, I still hate playing. And I was like, why? He goes, first off, like, it's hard to recreate the sound I want it, how I want it, like what I'm used to it hearing and how it just sounds. And he goes, and second, it's all the BS stuff. He's like, did I bring enough picks? And, you know, oh, my God, I, you know, I broke a string. I mean, whatever the the problem of the moment is. And he just he doesn't like dealing with all that stuff. And it's and I could tell from watching you guys, you guys enjoy playing live. And I think that translates to the recorded product, frankly. I mean, I think it just it sounds lively. It doesn't sound like it's been tooled over hundreds and hundreds of times during mixing and recording. It has a I don't know, a little bit of a spontaneous feel to it. And and I think some of that comes from from the live the live performing so no i love it it was, it was great i oh, i wish there was more online of you guys playing live i would love to watch them yeah yeah, yeah. there's one posted pretty recently of us playing at um the park side okay and that was like our last show before what the show we're about to play mm-hmm. this weekend um being the weekender and um i think if you watch that one after watching the one you were just talking about at clarion alley you'll see <laughs> how much we've gotten more comfortable cool with playing live we're like i think matt jumps off of his amp at one point there we go <laughs> my arms. matt, I matt jumps on nick 
and we're yeah we we have a lot of fun with it now because i think we've realized like we have nothing to really prove and we can just kind of make a lot of noise and like have a lot of fun with it live is like a completely different experience than the recorded record and they shouldn't be the same thing right definitely yeah i'm gonna sound like a dork but like you know the stones they sounded like shit live in the early 70s but that's what makes it cool yeah like all all those reasons all those reasons that you just said that you know uh playing live sucks uh i think it makes it fun yeah it's like oh shit i forgot my sticks or something like i broke a string gotta figure it out yeah see what happens like it's like therapeutic in a way chaos therapeutic chaos guys are insane So you had mentioned, you know, I'm I'm not sure when this is going to air, but it definitely won't be before the uh, Oakland weekender, but that's going to be this weekend. And um, obviously it's, it's got a, it's got a real slant towards that, that Bay area sound and the Bay area acts. Um, Could you share with me maybe a little bit about the effect that that area or being, being kind of raised and growing up in California has had on the music? Yeah, I was going to say, um, when you asked the question about like, oh, what was it? Um, well, I was going to say earlier that like something about the, oh, the nineties scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the nineties scene to me, when I think of it, like the scene that really mattered a lot was like in San Francisco and like, and then kind of like DC as well. For sure. Like, um, yeah, it feels very connected within San Francisco um, to know that, like, I don't know, like, Eiler's set was playing here. And, and yeah, and, like... Yeah, well, it feels like we're part of a lineage. Yeah, yeah, it does. It feels like... And it's still so around, like, Alicia from Eiler's set. It, like, comes to our shows. And, like, wow. when I first met her, I, like almost killed over you know and like now we see her all the time and she's the sweetest person ever um and like so talented and amazing but um it feels like san francisco is so connected to that kind of music and yeah it's it definitely had an effect on us and made us want to kind of honor it in a way um yeah it definitely has a uh you know just coming from detroit i mean you know, land of the white stripes and the garage band. I mean, it has California, at least to me, I've, I've been there twice and I've not, I've not been to Northern. I've just been to the Huntington beach area. Cause I have friends there and it has this like lazy, uh, laid back feel to it. Just the state as compared to here in Detroit. And I, I just, I feel that I feel that in the music with a lot of the acts that come out of there, uh, and I, and I, I think you guys kind of demonstrate that as well. I mean, lazy is not a bad term, by the way. Just this kind of like laid back sound. Whereas here, I mean, everybody's out to like throw a beer bottle at somebody. And, you know, Jack White's fighting with the guy from the Von Bon. I mean, like, I don't know. It's just, it. I guess it just has a different vibe there. And, and I can sense it in the music. So, I don't know. Just, I wish, again, I wish I was, I was able to be there for this weekend. I think it's just going to be a, a cool celebration. I hope there's video that us in the midwest can can enjoy once it's over um it was mentioned that 2019 was a difficult year and i think that comment was just kind of left hanging there i think i don't know if matt made it 
uh, I just kind of wondered if it was something that you could expound on or was irrelevant or was taken out of context. I just, for some reason, I look for little clues like that when I'm doing my research and I saw that. Uh, is there anything to that? Uh, yeah, it was, it was a transitional year for a lot of the members of the Umbrellas, I think. A lot of us were going through different moves breakups and breakups stuff, like some, some health, health issues, stuff. Yeah. family health issues. Yeah. And we didn't even know it was on the horizon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just wait to see what 2020 has for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, that was really like when the umbrellas like became a we became a band in late 2018 but like we realized we were a band that was gonna like stick around and make a record and stuff in 2019 and i think that that came out of a lot of people struggling with just yeah just big changes in their lives um nothing too terrible everything worked out for the best um in retrospect, in retrospect, given you know 2020 and yeah. 2021, I guess it wasn't that bad. You know? It only gets yeah. worse, yeah. folks. <laughs> yeah, right. We thought 2019 was bad, and so I guess I guess a follow up on that, and and I I won't ask for any specifics, but um, I mean, do you feel as though those types of experiences, you know, that you've learned from them? And my follow up on that is. Do you feel that, I guess this kind of goes to all you guys, that any of those those impacts, whether it be health or, or relationships or whatever, made it into this recording? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah totally. Our lyrics and stuff, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think that was just like, that was another part of oh, uh, yeah. just like going down and like taking a week off. Just like, it was like, okay, let's go record this thing and also just kind of like get away for a little bit and like yeah. you know record all day and then like you know have a beer in the jacuzzi or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah like chill yeah we all wrote lyrics together about like all our frustrations of like people we were dating at the time and like we all know each other so well it's like there's not really any secrets you know we all know what each other we're a pretty open band, so we kind of talk about what's going on in our lives. Mm -hmm. and like... we, we go to group therapy together. <laughs> yeah, we, we started doing group therapy early to prolong the band. We go to the guy that Metallica went to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Hey, they've had success. I don't know. Um, would, would it would it be, I mean, would the album have been drastically different if it weren't for some of those setbacks? Or would it have, would it have basically been similar? I'm just curious. Uh, maybe some of the words would be. I don't know. We would have found a way to be. I have no idea. We would find yeah, some other way to be melancholy, exactly. and <laughs> dramatic for sure. The songs that we're writing now are a bit. We're all in like pretty okay places. So like the songs we're writing now, I feel like aren't as like distressed, <laughs> maybe. Um, but there's still some elements of angst and <laughs> and anxiety and you know heartbreak and stuff for sure yeah, yeah i get it i mean it all it all makes its way in i mean if you're if you're any sort of artist i mean you're you're absorbing those i don't know i sound like i'm sounding like dr phil now but you're absorbing some of those inputs and and then you know you're kind of synthesizing them and then they're coming out in the music or the lyrics in this case and i'm definitely going to listen to this album uh, a little differently now now that i know that you know what 
I mean, obviously at a real high level, what you guys went through in 2019, particularly the lyrics. I'm, I'm definitely kind of curious to see if I can pick things out. Um, on that same, I guess on a similar note, I mean, is there anything that you're, you guys are listening to today? I mean, things that, that us in the Midwest or the East Coast that we should be listening to? I mean, is there, what, is, what is it that, that the Umbrellas are listening to that will probably have some impact on, on future records? Um, I've been, I don't know if you've heard this band, but I've been listening to a lot of the Kinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard of them. <laughs> they're newer i think yeah. yeah they're they're pretty cool i don't know i've been listening just like recently just a lot of the kinks and then i've been listening to that bob dylan podcast the joker man podcast <laughs> shout out <laughs> yeah. does that have an influence on your song yeah um i've been listening to a lot of this the stuff this label puts out in the uk called prefect records oh boy okay yeah they could, are excellent oh mount misery x void we could go on about yeah. this one for a bit yeah totally yeah everything they're doing i was just talking to andy from chime school last night at the show um because we're you know working on something that could maybe lead us in the direction of playing with one of those bands oh if we're lucky so yeah, we're figuring that out, and Matt and uh, Andy and I were like just plotting to somehow get in with them because we love the Tubs so much and would love to play a show with them. So yeah, maybe we'll they're see. listening. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, the only one, like I think I blasted that in my car every day for like oh. months, and I sent it to the umbrellas. Oh, yeah, I was like, I we gotta write a song where it's just Matt and I singing the whole time. Oh, <laughs> nobody else does that. It's genius. It's, it's great. So they good. sound so good I together. He has it. such a cool, weird voice. It's like, so weird. Gruesome. Come on. Yeah, it's, the, it's great. So that's oh. what I'm listening to right now, for sure. Just all that stuff is so good. Yeah. Yeah, no, Prefect, I mean, it's they're, they have like, and I was telling him, I'm like, you guys are like hitting, I don't know, baseball term. I mean, hitting like a thousand. I mean, everything is so good now the problem as you know is if you're into the physical media it's like not impossible here to get but it is like prohibitively expensive to order that stuff you know yeah. but i've been doing it anyway another funny story so the mount misery album which i think is really really effing good also mm -hmm. my my buddy mario he's like hey i got this record it's from prefect it's mark from you know the field mice and everything and so I had it and he's like but here's the problem he's like it is so badly warped you can't even listen to it so enjoy <laughs> i'm like oh, okay so i actually found a guy in brooklyn who flattens records and i just sent it to him and i paid 10 bucks i'm hoping he sends it back flat because it's so good but i can't even i can't even play it it's so bad <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> so, yeah. well, hopefully 10 bucks will fix that so. up for you yeah. he was real then, serious Oh yeah. yeah. He had me take like video I've of it. I've never done that. He's like, wow. take, he's like, I need you to video it. I need you to take pictures of it and I'll let you know what I can do with it. I'm this, I'm like, this feels like a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> yeah. I've never, I've never quite gone that far, but it's good to know. Maybe, maybe I'll hit you up in the future about yeah, that guy. For sure. I've got a few you slightly like warped ones. Yeah. Yeah. You just need a pizza stone. Oh, <laughs> I tried everything and I couldn't get it to do anything. I even drove around in my car with it with a bunch of stuff on top of it in the back thinking that like the heat it did nothing 
It was bad. <laughs> so I, I, I guess before I got off on that stupid story, is there, I, I know someone had mentioned the kinks, which it's funny, the kinks have been mentioned twice now on this podcast as somebody who, uh, as an as a band or whatever, that has had influence on some of, of the scene. Um, I don't know if I heard from everybody. Is there anybody else listening to anything right now? Uh, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Glenn Branca, some like modern composer stuff, like him and like Phil Gla- Philip Glass and okay. stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't really like music, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> You're a foodie instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. No, I love. I love it. And, and again, I love the prefect stuff. I think. Uh, I think what they're doing is really, really cool. Um, yeah. So- and this. Oh, sorry. No, no, please. <laughs> There's a, I've been listening to a lot of Damon and Naomi too, oh, yeah. and like I think that record they did with Ghost, I'm I'm about to bug everybody in this band and make them all listen to it all the time Love because it. there's so many tracks on that record that are so like a harpsichord track. Cool. Let's okay. get a harpsichord on the next record. Please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those records are so good. I like them more than Galaxy 500. So. A funny story about Galaxy 500. I'm having microphone problems here. I'm not sure what the problem is. But um, when I talked to Claire from Sarah and I asked her, you know, was there any acts that you passed on that you were like, oh, man, we should have. They actually passed on Galaxy 500. Wow. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. You you should get Mike Shulman on the podcast. He passed on a bunch of people and it's very funny. (laughs) So Mike is on my extremely short list to reach out to. And I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like he kind of owes me a favor now because I keep highlighting his bands. Um, we're kind of we're kind of near the end here. And this has been a great conversation with the umbrellas. I've got everybody here. I've got Matt, Keith, Morgan, Nick, everybody. And you guys have been super gracious so far and just really easy to talk to. And I, I really appreciate it. Um, when we're talking about the album and and I'm probably going to make Matt, you know, run for the loony bit on this one, but is there anything that you would change either about the album or the process um looking back on it now? Um you know, there's like things I'm like unhappy with that I did. But it's okay though cuz it was like a moment in time and it was mm-hmm. like it's like cat and like you know i've I've, my engineering style has changed and i've learned from those mistakes um i'm fine with the way it is honestly the only thing i'd really change though is like maybe like giving us a little more time Mm -hmm. (laughs) to work on it or maybe taking days off we like we went down there and i think we only like spent four days working on it like we were down there for five days so i don't Mm -hmm. know um Anyone Maybe else? the way I mic'd yeah. up the drums. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't. Oh, okay. Well, my opinion on it, I they're great. So I don't know. I don't know Thank much you. about it, but they're fantastic. Does anybody else have any feelings about that? I mean, it sounds like, you know, maybe taking some more time might have helped for Matt or just some engineering decisions. Anybody else have anything? Not me, really. I don't know. It was just kind of like. What are you gonna say, Nick? Oh, nothing. Uh, was, uh... <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It was just uh, it happened uh, organically, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Were there were it there a lot of? So fast. I'm sorry. Did someone say it was real fast? <laughs> yeah, sorry. But, you know, I I think I think that urgency though 
translates on it as I'm sitting here thinking about it. I mean, you know, I always think of like those horror stories like My Bloody Valentine's Loveless. I'm sure you've read about it. I mean, they basically put oh, yeah. creation into the ground and they went through like 20 producers and I don't even know how many studios. It is a classic now. But, you know, I wonder if like getting in there and just, I mean, just going for it in a short period of time, it, it's like there's this sense of urgency and there's a value to that. I don't know. I guess there is for me. I, now when I listen to the record, I'm going to kind of hear it through a little bit of a different lens. But, um, no, that's cool. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. No, yeah, I, th- I, I agree. I mean, I, I think, like, it's good just to get it done. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the 45 that we just recorded was really fast. Yeah. That was done yeah, we did so that in like incredibly week. fast. Because I think we learned that we just got to, like, get it over with and do it. We didn't travel anywhere this time. Yeah, don't think about it. Just, just like, it, you know? yeah, as we, like, master, like, we get down songs individually. We're like, I think we can record this one now, you know. And usually that's after playing it a few times live and just kind of like yeah. ironing out all the wrinkles in it and stuff yeah, and then, our, our yeah. songs are all trial by live <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i think earlier you mentioned uh like a lot of the songs sound like live in a sense mm-hmm. and i think uh or like there's that sense of urgency and I, I, maybe that's because like some of the songs we actually just finished writing when we were recording it too wow. um so i mean Maybe that like comes through, yeah. And and the fact Somewhere. the fact that you guys, I mean, listening to you guys talk, and and I'll I'm just gonna kind of go out on a limb here, but you know, I, I consider you guys probably a, oh boy, I hate saying this because I don't want to like judge you, but I feel like you're a live band first, and um and I think when you go into the studio live band first, you you just you got it kind of worked out and you can do it, whereas if you're you know, a rehearsal band, and then you say, okay, we've rehearsed a bunch, we haven't really played in front, now we're going to go in the studio, I think it's a harder go. And I think it's harder to kind of, like, find that that sound because you really haven't had the chance to work it out live. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like we play a lot of our songs, like, we'll finish a song, and then, like, we'll just be like, do you want to play this at the next show, like, later this week? And it's like... <laughs> Sure. Yeah, I feel like we kind of just go for it in a way. Yeah, yeah no, that's good. Yeah. So yeah. Um, this is my, my final question for you guys. And again, this has been just absolutely fantastic. I, I love the album. I mean, anybody who happens to hear this and hasn't heard of The Umbrellas or hasn't heard the album, go get it. I mean, I don't know if you can still get it from Bandcamp. That's where I ordered it from. Um, but find it get it get the new single get whatever they've got coming out because they really have something good going on here um I, my final question it's really kind of a two-part question and um i guess the first part is how do you define success for the band that's really the first question and then the second question is where ultimately do you want to take this project and i guess they're kind of the same question but um just kind of wondering that's a great question. Yeah, um, I mean, we we've been doing a lot of things that, to me, I don't know. Like we we've been on tour with a couple bands that I really love and have been listening to for a long time. So, for me, that's that feels pretty. You know, that's like a good milestone for me. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to keep rolling with that. And, yeah, I don't know. being able to like travel and like 
get like guarantees Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool because then we're we usually come home and like we don't pay out of pocket for our trips and like that's cool to me we're not making money sure but but it's paying for itself like that's awesome yeah we don't have to blow too many expenses on it on doing something we love doing and um traveling sick being able yeah i want to continue with that go to the uk that's a big goal for us go to japan go to japan um put out another record um see what happens just any get a a pyrotechnics show heck yeah (laughs) yeah keep it on the dl you know something in the works play a show in the metaverse maybe you can get like a guitar tech one day That'd be so sick. Yeah, we talk about that. And booking agents, man, it would yeah. be really nice we to have a, a We don't need a tour manager because like, we're all pretty scrappy and DIY. But like, yeah. having like a booking agent or like someone to drive the van would be yeah. so <laughs> sick. That would be That'd awesome. Be <laughs> well, I think yeah. those are our birds. Some yeah. cool festivals too. I'd love to get on some, on like just like a cool festival. I mean, yeah. I, obviously the weekender is really cool. For sure. Really cool. Yeah. But like something like Primavera. outdoors, like a, you know, yeah. something cool like that would be really fun. Go to Spain. Yeah. 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 I want to go to Europe really bad. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. There's a, you know, talk of the UK. Figuring it out. So I, I guess, you know, as somebody who just met you guys about an hour and a half ago and just, uh, just listen to all that. I mean, what it sounds like, and it's kind of been a theme of this podcast, and I don't know if it's the the people and the music I like, and, the, and again, the people behind it, but it all kind of comes down to one term. And Christopher Porter from uh, uh, Veronica Lake and Audrey's Diary, who I spoke to, he said this, and it's just it keeps ringing true for every one of these, and it comes down to making music with your friends absolutely yeah. yeah i mean whatever whatever like you know i mean this whole thing's a cool experience and whatever other cool experiences it gives us that's success totally yeah, yeah. yeah. these are my best friends yeah but at the end of the day what i mean whatever we do it's been just nice because we get to all you know hang out yeah it's so <laughs> cool yeah. to make music with your like best friends yeah, exactly. and get to do all these stupid things like we stayed at like elvis hotel in memphis on tour <laughs> yeah sick. yeah <laughs> like, oh, no, we just, it's like, we it's just like we're fun. here because like we just hang out and like make songs and yeah that's cool we're, yeah, we're that's the awesome. obnoxious band on tour that's doing all the tourist things and having a lot of fun <laughs> while everyone's yeah. like else is very serious we're like we gotta go to the grassy knoll <laughs> <laughs> there's this taco place down the road i heard about <laughs> yeah yeah totally the original no. del taco yeah we oh. went to the original del taco on yeah. tour. We're, we're, we're fucking dorks <laughs> i freaking love del taco if, if i ran upstairs right now and said to my family where can i where would i want to go right now and eat they'd all say del taco we know oh oh del taco rules del taco is great yeah. it's so much better than taco where, bell I guess in closing here, I wanted to thank you guys for joining me. I mean, I think I, you, you guys were just super fun to talk to. I, I think you, the music that you guys create is, uh, like I keep saying, I mean, I think it's modern classic pop. And uh, I'm going to be a disciple of, of the Umbrellas for a long time. I, I just I, I just love it. And I, I play it all the time. And I tell people about it all the time. And um, I just, again, thank you for joining me. Thank you for doing what you're doing. And I really do appreciate it. 
thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Awesome. So we're going to close out the show here with uh, another one of my favorite tracks uh, from the album by the Umbrellas on Slumberland. Uh, came out in 2021. I picked up the physical media this year in 2022. Again, you can find it online, I'm sure, for purchase. Please buy it. Please support these guys. They're good people. And uh, we're going to go ahead and hear AM by the Umbrellas. And again, thank you for joining me.
again, I wanted to uh, thank today's guest, The Umbrellas, for joining me. Uh, it was such a great conversation, and I'm just really excited uh, for for uh, folks to hear this episode, as well as a lot of the other ones coming this year. Um, I think the season one was just was really, really a surprise for me in terms of the the folks that agreed to speak to me. And, um, and frankly, the feedback I got afterward, I mean, they were all so kind and, and they've really all been very supportive of this podcast. So again, thank you to all the guests from last year, uh, or from last season, I should say. And thank you to the umbrellas for being part of, of season two, frankly, the first episode, uh, for those of you who have made it this far, um, the new intro music is by, uh, my, my, one of my earlier guests, actually, Shoestrings, who uh, happen to be some of my best friends, uh, they contributed the new opening track to this. Um, technically, the title is Losing, um, but right now it'll be known as the Season 2 intro for the Vinyl Detroit podcast. So, Myron and Rose, thank you for doing that. And um, we've got some great episodes coming up. I can't wait for you guys to hear them. Make sure you subscribe, leave me a review, uh, leave me a, a, a star or five stars, whatever it is you feel is appropriate. As always, uh, you can reach me uh, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. We've got an email out there. It's all in the show notes here. So uh, again, thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening. And uh, we're going to close this show with another track from The Umbrella's debut uh, on Slumberland Records. came out in 2021. And this final song is called She Buys Herself Flowers. Sometimes it gets so hard to feel like everyone's watching, everyone's talking, and nobody understands overthinking every second, disconnected, so rejected, nobody knows your name. She buys herself flowers, walks the house for hours, searching for herself. 
Sometimes it gets so hard to feel like everyone's watching, everyone's talking.